Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can call. Alex will answer the phone all he needs is your first name and where you're calling from, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With questions, comments, or concerns. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off, yes, uh, you live in a fairly rural area, yes. right? So uh-huh. how about the frost? In the city, it was just on cars. There was none on the ground or anything else. Did, did you see any frost? I didn't notice on the on the ground. It was just a thin layer on the car. It wasn't right. too hard to scrape off. Right. Uh, I didn't notice it oh, on the ground, but it was dark. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you come to work when it's dark. 4 a.m. on Saturdays. Whoa. Yes, sir. It's not morning. It's middle of the night. <laughs> yes. I was just curious if, you know, further away from the city, if there was more frost on the ground. I didn't notice any, but uh, oh, just yeah. on the car. <laughs> we just lost some lights in here. Yes. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, I wonder if they got the virus. <laughs> <laughs> They're self-quarantining now. Our light system. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I'm not sure. I guess I'll find out when I go home, see if anything died. We don't have anything out that, that should be hurt by it. We brought that in. You right. Know, it's kind of you put it out and think, oh, spring's here. Well, <laughs> no, one more time. Well, in theory, uh, April 15th is a frost-free date. Right. And we're past that. We're past it. What is nature. that about? Really, nature is just so unpredictable. It is. It is. <laughs> well, great. Well, thanks. You bet. And, folks, on Saturday morning, we get together and we... Have a roundtable discussion. What's going on in your backyard? What's happening in the front, the side? Those specialty garden spaces? Yes, the taste of the tropics, your houseplants. Oh, did you put them out? Probably they are okay. I got uh, uh, probably two weeks ago or so, I got uh, some Rex begonias, uh, dragon wing begonia, and uh, pegasus type begonia. And I have them outside, but they're, you know, they're, they're in pots. But their pots are fairly close to the house, and there was I didn't see any damage on those this morning. And uh, how about the potting mixes? How to improve your soil, shearing, pruning, and removing bugs, diseases, and using the information to make good decisions. My thoughts and orchestrations hopefully will help that and uh, solidify options that you make the final judgment about. And if you uh, would like for me to come to you and to your home for a walk and talk, first of all, This is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your car, your home, or wherever you happen to be listening. And Alex is producing. Again, he just needs your first name if you want to call him with a question or comment. 
and where you're calling from. I'm Mike Miller, and I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And uh, as I said before, I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation. And I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage is my email address and phone number where I can be reached. And today I'm going to be heading to the city of St. Louis, off uh, actually on Arsenal Street, and then after that uh, to Huntley Hills. So got a couple today. And, well, let's get moving. Today's stroll, Good Gardening Stroll, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. As we were just talking about, Brian and I, light layer frost on the cars, and I decided, well, where am I going to go for the Good Gardening Stroll? So I headed down Gravoy, and where Gravoy and uh, Tucker meet, actually, Gravoy becomes Tucker, and 12th Street meets right there, too, and a highway flies overhead right there. There's a bald cypress street tree, and uh, it was recently uh, limbed up. The lawn's been cut and obviously bagged because there was no clippings anyplace. There's a pretty good artistic-type planter there that was uh, presented, given by the Soulard Restoration Group. Where is this? This is Soulard Station. And uh, Soulard Station is probably a gas station from way back when, which has been converted to a meeting room and all kinds of other stuff, parties and everything else. Their daffodils were finished, yes, but the white viburnums, they were peaking. There is a praying mantis metal sculpture, and it's looking to the northeast. He was looking right this right today was perfect because the sun was just coming up, so the praying mantis was staring right into the sun. Combination of conifers, everything from cypress to arborvitae, to Austrian pines to use. And around the backside, the patio, an urns embraced by oak leaf hydrangea. And there's snow on the mountain, aegiopodium, mixed with the liriope as a ground covering. There's a hydrangea, which has last year's blooms still hanging on. There's a couple redbud trees, and they look striking, as well as a Japanese maple. Really spice up the view. Lamb's ear with elongating flowers. Not flowering quite yet, but close. And uh, daylilies, they were sitting there. Uh, nope, just foliage. No flowers yet, which is good. No flowers on the iris either. There's some burning bush, which softened the wrought iron fence. There's doves and robins and sparrows all over the place. And uh, the sun was coming out, so it was, thank goodness. When you stood in the sun, it was a lot warmer than when you were standing in the shade. Knockout Rose was pushing out its foliage. No bud sets at all yet. And uh, there's a huge locust tree, which umbrellas basically the whole setting, but mainly on the back side. And uh, on this frosty April morning, good gardening stroll, I decided, uh, yeah, I'm not going to even wear a coat. So, But I did have a sweatshirt on. But anyway. And uh, still flip-flops, which was kind of probably nuts. But anyway, I decided... I don't like this cold weather, so I'm going to challenge it and see what happens. But anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your questions, comments, or concerns. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Report on my yard. The zoysia is about uh, probably 60% green, so, I mean, it's really coming back. 
I probably going to do one more shortcut and then let it start elongating. But uh, it's uh, nice to see that, you know, I don't mind the fact that it's, you know, tan in the wintertime, but it's nice to see the fact that it, when it starts turning green, it really looks vibrant. So let's start off and head over to Joe, or no, not Joe, Jeff's yard. Hi, Jeff. Hello, this is Jeff. Hi. Yeah, I was just calling. I live over by Belleville East, and I walked out this morning to see what happened with, because I have blackberries, uh, I have strawberries, and then I also have rhubarb. It mm-hmm. looks like everything did good except for my rhubarb wasn't very happy. Oh, really? So the foliage on the rhubarb was uh, damaged were, by the cold? I think so. They were kind of limp, and that's why I was wondering, should I cut it back and just let it grow again, or what should I do with Probably it? Probably I would just leave it alone, wait until the has the sun hit it yet? Uh, not yet, no. Okay. Well, let the sun hit it and see what happens after about an hour. Because that will really tell you if it was just like wilting down because it was cool or if it was wilting down because it got cold and the actual cells of the leaf more or less got frozen. And then if it, yeah. if they are, you know, after the sun's been on it for a little, you know, for an hour or so, if it's still really wilted down, I'd say go ahead and cut the foliage off. And then it should come back, should Yes, it? right. Because I had it hit, got hit earlier this year. It was coming up already and it seemed to bounce right back yeah it's pretty tough i mean you well you know what the root system and everything looks like and i don't know how old these plants are but they're i mean they have good recovery abilities okay i was just wondering what i should do on that yeah i was happy everything else looked pretty good but it was i had frost on the grass back oh there. really wow mm-hmm. so man oh man that that's always a little frightening when you see frost on the grass because you know things like what happened with your rhubarb could happen to other plants, too. Because I don't think the, the blackberry should be fine, in it, shouldn't they? Yeah, there shouldn't be any problem with anything like that. I knew the strawberries were against the fence, so I thought they would. They seemed to be okay. And they're pretty tough, too. But, uh, I mean, the rhubarb um, foliage, it's, you know, it's pretty, you know, lo- I don't want to say loose, but it's pretty big and everything else, and so it's, you know, much more prone to it, like a cold circumstance. Well, I think that's all I have. I appreciate your uh, time, and I like your show. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And now let's go from Jeff to Jim. Jim lives in South County. Hi, Jim. Hello. Good morning. Hi. This isn't a freeze question. Um, It's probably pretty simple. Uh, I have hundreds of little two-inch tall purple flowers in my grass for the last few years. Um. They keep expanding in the area, and I was pulling a bunch of them up. They have like a kind of a Q-tip-shaped root with like 50 little tentacles on them. Um, I don't know. I'd guess they're like violets or something. Very well could be. Yeah, and curious if you knew what they might be or if I could tell you more, and then how to get rid of them. Violets are extremely difficult to get rid of. So the best... The best thing you can go after them, it's going to take multiple years regardless of what you do, and especially if you have a well-established stand, which it sounds like you do, is go after it with like a broadleaf weed killer, like a weed-be-gone type thing. That won't won't have any impact on your lawn, but it goes after anything with a broader leaf like, you know, like what the violets do. Right. They got like kind of a broadleaf green base. Right. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's like I have no idea what 
do they just kind of show up sometimes? <laughs> well, I so, feel like my neighbor bought a bag of ten thousand of them, blew them over, <laughs> or something, you know. Very well nobody could've. else has them. <laughs> no, but what they do, the th- the thing with the violets is once they get it, you know, the the way the seeds get in, they could be you know blown in, they could be dropped by birds, they could be all kinds of other ways. But the actual flower will produce seeds, but also right as. Uh, at the crown of the plant, so in other words, where the root system and the stems meet, it actually produces seed there too. So once you, so there's two different ways that a violet produces seed. So that's what makes it so like horribly aggressive. As far as once there's a few, then there's you know ex, you know exponential numbers, and it just keeps increasing, increasing, increasing. Okay, weed be gone. Yeah. So well, any kind of broadleaf it. weed killer. And there's hope. <laughs> well, how long are you going to stay in your house? No, well, it's I've been here 20 years, yeah. and these things probably been around for about five. Yeah, so it's going to be, it might take up to five years to finally get to your lawn eradicated completely. Okay, multiple weed be gone, I guess. Yes. All right, thank you. Certainly, good luck. Yeah, violets is probably the the toughest, you know, weed to actually get rid of. I mean, there are other ones like poison ivy and stuff like that that are tough, but the violets are the worst. So good luck, Jim. Thank you. Yep. And now let's head out to St. Charles and see what's going on with Steve. Steve, how are you? Well, I have the exact same question that that gentleman before me has the little blue violets. Right. Now, the only thing is, they do fill in my backyard. They make it look beautifully green. Uh, <laughs> Because there's so many of them. Right. And I use Weed Be Gone, but it says, I think it says on the bottle to only use it once, no more than 10 or 15 days between applications. Right. And so (laughs) I need to use it every day. I have so many. (laughs) No, just, I mean, follow the rules. That's the label was written for very specific reasons. So, uh, yeah, it's maybe you should take the philosophy my father had. You know, I grew up in Ellisville. We had a fairly big yard, and for him, anything that was green was good. He didn't care. Right. So. True. That's a good point. Right. That's so, a good point, I mean, right. the neighbors and stuff. We were a new subdivision. Lots of people went after you know the aggressive grasses, the zoysias, and the blue grasses and the fescues. But we just mm-hmm. whatever grew grew, and that was you know. True. That was good True. with him. I do have a beautiful green backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Certainly. My pleasure. All right. Now let's head over to Michael's place. Hi, Michael. Good morning. How uh, are you? Good. I have a row of uh, barberry bushes, and I've got, I've got mulch around the bushes and everything, mm-hmm. but I've got weeds growing up through the bushes. And is there anything I can do to keep those weeds from growing through the bush without killing the barberry? Uh, are they grassy weeds? So in other yes. words, they, are they thin-bladed or are they big, big, wide? Thin. thin. They're, they're thin-bladed. Okay, so if they're thin-bladed, what you can do, if, you know, go to your favorite garden center and get something called a grass killer because the grass killers will kill grasses and they won't impact things with broader leaves which your barberry is a broader leaf plant. But probably what I do is, you know, maybe cut the grasses down. You know, if I don't know how many you have, might be a little bit, you know, tough or impossible. 
But uh, cut it down to about four or six inches, then spray the weed kill or the grass killer right onto the you know the stuff that's left. Okay, because I can't get in there with my hands because of the obviously because of the thorns. So just get a, a general grass killer and right, just spray it spray at the bay. It. Yeah, I, it's going to be tough because you know watch the temperature wise and everything else because. Certain herbicides can do damage if the temperatures get to be a certain high, you know, at a certain height. So just uh, right. get it done as soon as you possibly can. So, you know, spray them while, because as weeds get older through a growing season, even if they're an annual weed, they get a waxy cuticle on the surface, and that prevents the herbicides from being absorbed, you know, as much as possible or as much as you'd like for it to be. But if you don't get it all done, let's say this year, just watch them next year. And as soon as you start seeing them, go after them right then. Okay, I will. They're still pretty young, so I think I have some time to get Good. that done. Perfect. Okay, thanks for your help. Yeah, I appreciate it. My pleasure. Yeah, I mean, a okay. grass killer is very specific. So it will kill grass. It will kill lawn. It will kill anything with a narrow blade. It will kill daylilies. It will kill iris, any of that kind of stuff but it won't affect anything with a broader leaf. Let's go now to Karen's yard. Hi, Karen. Hi, this is actually Carolyn. Oh, Carolyn, sorry. Um, Yeah, that's okay. So I'm smiling about all these violet questions because I love violets and I have a sulcata tortoise that roams my yard and eats them like candy. (laughs) 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 But um, my question is, I have a vegetable garden I've had for quite a while. I'm all natural, do compost, all that. Mm -hmm. And for the past few years, I have tried to grow cucumbers and zucchini, which seem like they should be fairly simple. And um, I plant the seeds, they come up, I have beautiful foliage, I have these beautiful, big, orangey, red, uh, yellow flowers, and then the flowers just fall off. Really? Yeah. Are you fertilizing? Um, or are you just doing... A little bit. Yeah, I mean, even just get an organic fertilizer, maybe, I mean, any kind of, even vegetables... The, the flowering process is stressful, so the fact that they're not getting pollinated or not setting fruit means they just don't quite have enough energy to do it, would be my, you know, my thought. Oh, okay. So just a, a, a regular vegetable fertilizer? Yeah, or, I mean, you could try specific. something, if you want something organic, something like milorganite. Well, say that again. Milorganite? M I L. O-G-R-O-R-G-A-N-T-I-E. Okay. So it's like mill. Yeah, I've mil- never o- heard of that. I'll try that. Okay. Yeah. Most garden centers should have it. Okay. Great. Thank you. Yep. And, uh, yeah, Malorganite is a pretty good, you know, organic product. Now let's go to Mary's yard, and she lives in Overland. Hi, Mary. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Hi, I'm Mike. I'm that lady that you've come out to twice to do walk and talk, and I wanted to thank you for your suggestions on the landscapers that could, you know, help me with doing it. And uh, it's working beautifully. But my main question, and I would have thought everybody wanted to know this, is it okay now for me to move plants outside and put them next to the house and and kind of protect them? 
and start getting them used to living outside instead of in the heated basement. Yeah, I'm, if they're close to the house, even on a morning like this where there was some frost and the temperature, when I got in my car, the thermometer in my car said it was 31, and the backyard thermometer that I have said it was actually 24. Ooh. But anyway, if it, up close to the house, like I was talking about when I, the, you know, opening the show, I got uh, you know brand new begonias, Rex, Pegasus, and Devil's Wing begonia, and uh, I have them close to the house, and they show they show no damage whatsoever related to the cold. So you and should then be okay. Did you say to leave them there for like a week or so, and then try and get by that April twenty fifth? magic day that everything is going to survive. <laughs> yeah. Well, in theory, it's supposed to be April 15th, but uh, obviously, you know, that was uh, not quite yeah. right with nature this year. Nature has yeah. its own sort of attitude. I was going to say the virus probably you oh. know, is doing that too. So thank <laughs> you for your help, but it's really making a difference. And the, the lady who you suggested is just doing a fine job. Well, great. So thank you. Yep. Glad to hear it. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with questions, concerns, or comments. How's your landscape doing, by the way? Kathy, how are you? Fine, yourself? Very good. Good. Well, Mike, I have a problem. Well, I bet you 90% of your uh, uh, listeners have this problem, and it's mold. It didn't destroy my yard, my uh, all my my plants and all that, and they just running crazy. I have tried from gum to peanuts to traps, and, I mean, I just ran out of uh, ideas on how to try to get rid of them, and somebody said if, if, if you get rid of them, they go run and you run them. And then I even tried the the pole that you stick in every fifteen seconds. It'll uh, send off a signal. Uh, they don't like noise or whatever. But if it runs over, if you run them away, if it runs over to your neighbors and they're not treating it, you still got a problem. Right, because they're going to come back. Back. Right. So, what do you or any listeners have any uh, home uh, remedies or? something I can use to, or we can use to try to get rid of these things because they didn't took over. Well, the, prof- you know, the professional, tra- you know, let's say pest control people that, you know, do the mold controls and things like that and callers over the years, the thing that really only works is the traps. And you got to have a couple traps. You have to kind of be patient, watch for the, the tunnels when they pop up because those are the most active and then set the trap along that tunnel and if you don't get a mole that day or within, let's say, two days, then you got to move it to a different place along that tunnel. But the Victor Spear or Choker Loop Trap, there are a couple other traps, too, but they seem to be the only thing that's effective. Okay. Thank you so much. Certainly. Yeah, it, I mean, they're brutal. And you have a— Yeah, they are. I mean, you wouldn't have moles if you didn't have a nice yard because moles eat earthworms. And earthworms are only going to be in nice yards. If you got a horrible yard, you're not going to have any earthworms. You're not going to have any moles. Okay. They, they'll, they'll starve if you don't have a nice yard. Exactly. Move on to somebody else's yard. Okay. Thank you so much. Certainly. Yeah, and the problem is, too, February is birthing month. So, 
I mean, you used to have just, let's say, two moles, one in the front and one in the back. You may have like four moles now. And the young ones are not out there actually digging, but they could be causing some problems. So now let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hello. Hi. Hi. Sorry, I'm in the middle of something else. Uh, we had uh, about 29 here in south in the rural areas, and we had a heavy frost. Ooh. But I had uh, I had a, my strawberries covered and some other things. So <clears throat> that my brothers were kidding me that uh, my dad, who's a extensive gardener, never did that. And I said, well, that's because he waited. <laughs> but I said in the fall we always covered till the final freeze to kill all the tomato vines because I remember covering, covering, covering. Right. So, and but my question is about my rhubarb. When can I cut it and cook some? As far as the stems, probably once they get you know, let's say long enough to actually look like a uh, let's say the length of a a celery spear. That should be long enough for the stem that you're going to chop up and actually use for cutting, making pies or, you know, jellies or whatever you're going to do. So let let that elongate pretty good. And you definitely, if you start to see any kind of flowering, definitely cut them at the flowering point. Yeah, I've already cut the flowers off, so okay. I appreciate that information. So, yeah, I mean, just, you know, because once they stop, let's say, elongating, that's a time when you can go ahead and harvest it. I also uh, want to thank you for keeping the tradition of, I'm showing my age, of old Camo X where people call in and have questions and, and they get some of your opinions, but it's not all opinion. <laughs> well, so thank, thank you. That's my editorial for today. Well, great. Well, thanks, Bill. Okay. Bye. <laughs> See you. And now let's go over to Joyce's yard. Hi, Joyce. Hi, hi Mike. Yes. Yes, uh, thanks for taking my call. I've got a couple of questions. One of them is I've just planted uh, a couple of five-and-a-half-feet Jane Magnolias, and I, I think I did everything right to to plant them. Um, now, do I need to stake them? Uh, I'm not a real fan of staking because if you stake them, just make sure that you stake them so they can actually move in the wind. So the stakes just keep them from being blown over, but you still mm-hmm. want to have action of them moving because it's that action created by wind that actually helps sure. the trunk, you know, caliper, you know, increase. You're not going to get a major increase. Yeah, so, that's what I thought. Right. But I wanted to, um, because someone had said their neighbors, they did that and it fell over. Well, um, if I would stake it, it would be at the very bottom to just kind of support the bottom or or you could put just let's it? say fence post stakes out away from the tree and just uh-huh. put them you know put them you know the in between the fence post stake and the tree just make sure that that oh. whatever you use is loose so when you can actually move it so it's not really stiff and rigid gotcha okay and my second question was uh, we just uh started planning our a uh, few small perennials, and then some annuals and pots. Now, with the new tree and my perennials and new annuals, watering, how how often do I need to water them now? Anything that's in pots, just watch for the inside, the interior, you know, 
of the pot slice where the you know potting mix is. Once that starts to shrink in, you see a little bit of gap there, then water at that time. Okay. And, the tr- and, and the tr- how about my trees? Yeah, the trees probably, you know, if we have extended periods of time, how long have they been in the ground now? Two days. Two days. I would probably water them every day for about two weeks. You know, just you don't have to drown them or anything, but just water them to keep the root ball damp. Then after two weeks, then just kind of wait until you let the weather tell you when to water. Okay. And um, when you say water them a little bit, do you mean like a gallon sprinkled? Um, Yeah, just, you know, to make sure that uh, the root ball is getting damp all the way around. Okay. Okay, all the way around the the root ball. Right, exactly. Because if you just pour the water on one side, then the other side where, I mean, there's obviously roots, may not be getting any moisture. Sure, sure. Okay, thank you so much. Sure. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, a couple things. Uh, If you have dogs and you've got spots in your yard where the dog's urine or on on the side of shrubs or whatever it happens to be, we used to, or um, for years, people thought it was because the urine is very salty. But in reality, dog urine has a high level of nitrogen. And so the plants, your lawn or your shrubs or whatever, are actually being burnt by the nitrogen level in your dog urine. So uh, what can you do? Well, you can just kind of dilute it, but you can't follow your dog around all the time. So just kind of have to live with it. That's part of having a dog. Let's go over to Joe's, and he lives in West County. Hi, Joe. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have two questions. So one, I heard you uh, say making uh, one last uh, shortcut to your zoysia. Um, my zoysia is greening up now, and it's uh, about two inches tall. I'm wondering if uh, that's okay or whether I should uh, trim it a little shorter. I probably think two inches is good. Okay, thank you. And the second question, um, lawn doctor uh, seeded my uh, lawn here, my front lawn, uh, about a week ago, and uh, they were telling me to um, the uh, uh, the guys that were uh, doing the power seeding uh, said that uh, should water it uh, every day. Um, and I says, well, how much? And he says, well, once a day, um, just don't puddle it. Uh, do you have any um, um, opinions on that? No, that's probably pretty good. I mean, you don't want puddles because that's going to cause some damage as far as fungus potential and everything else. So they seeded. They didn't seed your zoysia, right? No, no. This was the front yard. The okh- front yard was uh, it was a mat of little teeny tiny weeds. Yeah, so you just want to, and once you, the seeds germinate, everything starts looking like growing, you know, probably once the blades get about two inches or so, then I'd, you know, kind of cut back on the watering. Okay, they did say uh, probably um, germinate in, in a couple of weeks, but right. uh, then you would need to uh, extend the watering for about another week. Right, exactly. Okay, um, thank you very much. All right, yep, sounds good. And now let's see, where should we go? Let's go over to Gloria's yard. Hi, Gloria. Hello. Hi. All right. Um, my, my sister asked me to call. Um, she's, trying to, she's trying to make a compost pile, and so she has a, you know, a, a big container, 
and she has lots of dry leaves and you know little bits of, of lettuce and you know her leftovers. Um, but she says it's turning into water. What is she doing wrong? You've got to have about four inches of organic material, whatever it happens to be, grass clippings, you know, vegetable leftovers and all that other stuff. And then you have to put a layer of soil, like a one-inch layer of soil. Then you got to put more, let's say, organic grass clippings, leaves, and all that other stuff. Then another layer of soil. You can't just pile up stuff because oh. it's just going to get wet and it's going to, it's going to start stinking and it's going to be horrible. That's what that, I think that's what's happening with her. Right. So you got to have layers of soil in there. Layers of soil. Okay. All right. That's good. And one other thing. I came in uh, w- w- when a man was talking about vi- uh, violets. What is, is that a weed, those little violets? Well, it depends upon your perspective. My wife loves them. <laughs> so I told her I can't have violets all over the place, so I have a couple bed spaces one back behind uh, the garage, between the garage and the alley. That's one where I let violets go. And then I have another area, which is up you know, by our front door, that yeah. I let violets go. So because she likes them, and uh, that's fine with me, but I'm not going to let them go all over the place. I know. I see a, a lot of people in my neighborhood. By the way, I'm in Springfield, Illinois, and full of the, some purple and some variegated. They, they look just gorgeous, but I figure they must be a weed. <laughs> yeah, anything that's too easy to grow is a weed. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? All right, thanks, Mike. I enjoy your show. Certainly, my pleasure. Yeah. And now let's go to Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Hi, Mike. Hi. I've got a couple of things. Um, how long can I sow grass seed? I sowed some the other day. Is it till the end of April? Uh, it's all going to be related to temperatures, so we don't know what's going to happen or anything else. But I'd get it done for sure by the end of the month. Well, I sold some the other day, so that should be okay. Yeah. And then I've got a question about thistles. I've got thistles out by the hedge. Now, I'd like to hold them off, but um, AT&T has underground cables there. So... Um, What's the best thing to do to kill them? Roundup or something like that? Yeah, basically, and you can get Roundup and just, you know, if you want to, paint it right onto it. But a lot of the Roundup containers now have a little cone on the end of the spray nozzle. So that just means you can set the spray nozzle right down on top of it and spray it so it doesn't drift onto something else. Oh, okay. And uh, is there any alternative to Roundup if I don't want to use it with its... uh just, I mean, these things, I mean, the cables, they can't be that near the surface. The thistle root system, as long as you get most of it, you're going to be fine. So if you, you can dig them out if you want to. Okay. Okay. Well, I think I could call and find out, too, where yeah, the cable is. I mean, exactly. sure, if they're that near the surface, that's scary. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. Okay. Thanks, Nancy. And um, we're not going to be able to get another call in because we're near news time. And uh, this time of year, I'll tell you, I shouldn't say this, but when I was at Soulard Station doing the Good Gardening Stroll today, they've got an area of henbit that is huge. I mean, it's spectacular. Henbit is in lamiums. It's in the mint family. So if you've got a weed that has purplish flowers, a cluster of them, and the stem feels square, then you've probably got henbit. Right now, that's one of the cool season annual weeds. Chickweed is another one. The annual bluegrass, I still have some of that. I'm still battling it. I'm digging it. 
I don't do the pre-emergence because I want to see how much, how long it's going to take to get, you know, kind of get rid of it. Uh, prickly lettuce, the Persian speedwell, which is very flat and has blue flowers, rabbit's foot clover, uh, shepherd's purse. Those are the main cool season weeds. Those are the ones that if you want to control with a pre-emergence, you're going to put the pre-emergence down in August, mid to late August, and then leave it alone because the seeds germinate at that time, and then they grow through the entire winter time. When the weather starts getting warm, then they disappear. But that whole time, they've been producing seeds after seeds after seeds after seeds, millions of them, or hundreds or thousands or whatever it happens to be. So just be real cautious and careful on how you get things under control as far as hand digging, you know, pulling, or anything else. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. I will have to admit that uh, Mr. Kelly showed me some shots of his garden space and a very impressive. Well, it's getting there. It's yeah. got a lot of, uh, a lot of ground to cover. And but you, we're getting there. I see your biceps are really getting bigger. I'm working on it. <laughs> Got to carry those bags of mulch and dirt and everything else. I, I just love it. I spend some time out there and I drink a beer or two while I'm doing it. And All right. Sounds great. Perfect. Oh, it's wonderful. All right. And that way. That was good. And we use your advice, of course. Cindy <laughs> listens every week and she takes notes and then we we do what you say. <laughs> Yeah, imagine that. People actually do listen to what you say, Mike. <laughs> That's frightening. It is. <laughs> but it works. Yes. By the way, folks, thanks for having me on your show where we can discuss plant selection, cares for ups and downs and all around of annuals, bulbs, edibles. Like last hour, two different questions about rhubarb and uh, ground covers, house plants. Should they be outside yet? I still got mine inside, but uh, I'm going to probably, I don't think I'm going to move them outside today. Just, it's not necessarily because I'm worried about weather or anything else. It's just they're in big pots and they're really tough to move. How's your lawn doing? Your zoysia should be perking up and really starting to green up. Your perennials, your roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take. And I'm not always right about everything. People have sent me some pictures of different things. And I've said, well, my guess would be blah, blah, blah. This is what we're looking at. And then uh, comments back, no, it's not that. It can't be that. So anyway, uh, that's just the way it goes. And uh, But uh, I strictly offer them as a possibility. So across the big board, Alex, he is producing for, the, I think, the third or fourth week in a row now. And Alex, all he needs when you call is your name and where you're calling from. During the week, I spend time doing landscape consulting and on weekends as well. Today, City of St. Louis off Arsenal, or actually on Arsenal, and then over to Huntley Hills after that. So um, I come to your home, and we can evaluate aesthetics, problem-solving, or whatever it happens to be. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, on the homepage. That's where my phone number and uh, email address is. You can contact me, and we can set up a time where I'll come to your home and Share 40-plus years of experience in the outdoors, whether it's plant design. I don't do any formal designs anymore. Plant care, suggestions, care and maintenance, and all that other kind of stuff. 
Tip of the trial is a special recognition of individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tracy's suggestion for the tip of the trial today was, as we drive through the city, so many people have some spectacular flowering, springtime, obviously, springtime flowering trees that uh, she wanted to give a tip of the trial out to everybody who has a flowering ornamental type tree in your yard. I mean, right now the dogwoods are spectacular. The magnolias are about finished, but the crab apples, the dogwoods, I mean, they are just unbelievable. And the red buds as well. So, and even some of them that are not necessarily flowering are striking in their own right, like the Japanese maples with the maroon foliage coming out. So, anyway, that was Tracy's suggestion for the tip of the trial today was everybody who has a colorful ornamental tree in their front yard this time of year, especially on days like yesterday, which was so gray and so... uh, When you get out and you see that color, it is just... It's almost breathtaking. There's no getting around it. So why don't we take a call or two before we take a break and let's go over to Bob's yard and Bob lives in Edwardsville. Hi, Bob. Hi. Uh, You were talking earlier about uh, thin bladed grass and killing it with grass killer. Yes. Uh, My thin bladed grass is in my myrtle, I think it's called, or vinca. Mm -hmm. Is it okay to put that up? Spray that on the grass in that. Yes, I mean it's a, you know that's a good way to get the grass under control. Any kind of weedy grass that's in there. Now it won't affect any kind of broadleaf weeds that happen to be in your periwinkle, vinca. This is the one that's spring flowering, evergreen ground yeah, cover. Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. So yeah, you should well, be fine. Okay. Well, that ends uh, years of pulling grass out of that. <laughs> yeah, it can be brutal. <laughs> well, that's all I need. Great. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And just make sure it's grass killer because, uh, I mean, it yep. says that specifically on the bottle. Yes, it does say that. So. All right. Fine. All right. Good luck, Bob. And now let's go to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hey, Mike. What's up? Good morning. Hi. I got a question. I have a 4 by 10 raised garden bed I've been using over the years. Uh, ground's getting a little dry. And I guess it's running out of nutrients. My question is, other than I, I add dirt to it every year or try to get some compost and throw in there, are there are there like supplements I can put in there to spice it back up, or do I need to just dig it all out, add new dirt? Uh, probably not, you know, not dirt, dirt, but probably like a combination of topsoil compost, you know, do yeah. something like that. So either yeah. that or, you know, put like, Two, if you've got space, I don't know what, you know, if you have board siding or anything like that, uh, just put it, you know, take some of it out if you need to, but add about two inches of compost in there and blend it in with the existing soil. Yeah, that's what I pretty much do. Like every couple of years, I'll go to St. Louis Compost and get a a half a yard of compost garden soil throw in there, but it's like every two or three years. Right. So, I mean, okay. the compost will, I mean, it's an organic product, so it does, you know, I don't want to say melt down, but that's basically what it does. Sure, yeah. Okay, I think it's going to be a good week to get them plants outside. It's not supposed to get below freezing the rest of the week. Or hopefully the re- at least for a couple months. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, thanks for your uh, input. Well, thanks. Thanks, Bill, for calling. And uh, let's get another call. Clara, how are you? 
Hello, Mike. Hi. I have a question about uh, I received as a gift a oleander plant, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to put it outside for the summer. But when I bring it in, how will that do over the winter? Uh, will I be able to save it and replant it outside again next year, or is it a one-year deal? I would not put it in the ground. Okay. I would leave it in a pot. And then bring it in? Right. That's much. If you dig it, if you put it in the ground and you grow it outside, then you dig it back up, put it in a pot, and bring it inside, it's destined for death pretty much. I'm not okay. saying guaranteed, but oleander, it needs, when it comes inside, it needs to be in like a really bright, bright, bright window. And, well, I, have uh, a do, I have a good window in okay. the basement, uh, but uh, I'm just wondering is it going to be worth, you know, trying to save it and. Uh, for you know, you know, for more than one season. Yeah, it's a personal call, to be honest with you. Sometimes bringing stuff in, I mean, I've seen people that have had great success with oleanders, with gardenias, and things like that. And there's been other people that haven't had much sex, success at all. So it's just a personal call. I mean, okay. Uh, you know, it's, I, I just wanted to say one thing. My tulips are beautiful this year, and we have lots of deer out here in High Ridge, and so I put. Uh, Pepper, hot peppers along the plant. All right. And they did not touch them, but the ones that I didn't put, they ate those down. So, <laughs> so uh, if anyone has trouble, they could try it and see if it works. Certainly. And I'll tell you, the, the deer won't bother daffodils, so uh, you can oh, put Oh, I know. Some I have lots of those, yes. <laughs> yes, they're the best. Right. <laughs> okay, thanks for your help. Certainly. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some uh, phone lines open if you'd like to call. Uh, as you head out to the garden centers, I know it's really kind of confusing. A lot of times you got to you call ahead and get the order, then they'll bring it out to your car and stuff. But please remember all the plastic pots and everything recycle that plastic. I mean, that is really something that's really crucial. Now, the Missouri Botanical Garden historically has had actually places to take pots and to drop your pots off. I don't know because the garden is still closed what's actually happening. But I'd you know, I'd contact the Botanical Garden and see if they're still doing the plastic recycling. Another thing, too, is this time of year, once the things that are blooming in the spring— Forsythia are already finished. Some of the magnolias are finished. Some of the other things are already finished. Within a month or two of the time that they finish blooming, right now it would be the red buds and the dogwoods and things like that. That's the time when you want to do the pruning. So if you're going to do pruning and it's a spring flowering thing, do it within a month or so or two of the time that they finish flowering because it's going to make a big, big, big difference if you do. Easter lilies, if you got some Easter lilies for your uh, Easter, and uh, they're hardy lily bulbs. So after they finish flowering, what you can do is just leave the, you know, the foliage stalk there, cut the flowers off, and then go ahead and just plant them. You want to plant the, the bulbs so it's about four inches or so deep. But they're tough and durable. My grandmother had some that were... For years and years and years, and every year we'd give her one, and she just she had a whole colony. She had a house there in in Richmond Heights, and then uh, consequently, you know, 
the they stayed on unfortunately when she had when she passed or she actually went into you know I don't want to say a nursing home but a, a assisted care home but anyway so Easter lilies perfectly hardy lily so now let's go to Dave's yard hi Dave how are you Hey Mike thanks uh for calling <laughs> My pleasure <laughs> Hey, I've got a question. I've got a small uh, backyard pond, and a couple years back, because of the nature aspect of it, I put down some horsetail, and now you know where I'm going with Whoa, it. Whoa, it's everywhere. Yes. Any suggestions? Uh, it's actually a grass, so you can go out after it if you want to use a grass killer and get rid of it, some of it that way, or else, you know, the digging yeah. is an involved process. Yes. Um, I was listening earlier, and I was thinking about the grass uh, herbicide, if that would work. So I appreciate the advice. Yeah. So uh, basically, anytime you got something like that, go ahead and just you know put some gloves on and crush it right before you spray the herbicide so you have some open wounds so it'll be absorbed in a little, little bit quicker. Gotcha. Well, thank you. My wife warned me. She says, I wouldn't be doing that. I put it in the... <laughs> so she, she, was she right. won that one. Yeah. Thanks millions, Mike. Certainly. My pleasure. And now Madonna, she lives in Oakville. Hi, Madonna. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I'm the lady that calls you because I raise butterflies. Ah. So, okay. So within the last two days, I had 13 butterflies in their chrysalis, and two of them have come out. Wow. They're the males, and they're the black swallowtail. And I was just wanting to share that information with you because I know how much you love nature. Right. With wow, that's great. I took some pictures. I'll be sending you some as soon as I get them off my phone. And um, it's going to be up to people like you with all these amateur gardeners. Everybody wants to start a garden this year. It's going to be up to people like you to please tell them every caterpillar is not their enemy. They're beautiful <laughs> butterflies. Right. That is very true. I mean, some of them are vicious, but other ones are spectacular as far as butterflies, like you just said. Yeah, I have a great big, huge container. So I went and I got my lantana plants. So they're eating off the lantana plants. Of course, they can't go outside yet. This is a huge container that I raise them in. I got on Amazon, and um, they can't go out yet until it gets a little <laughs> bit warmer. Right, because there's really nothing for them out there either. So No, and the birds will come and get them, and uh, they can't especially go out as soon as they come out of their chrysalis because their wings are all wet. They can't even fly yet. Right, exactly. So anyway, I hope you have a lovely spring. Well, thank you, and same to you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. And now let's go from Oakville over to Belleville and g see what's going with going on in Shirley's yard. Hi, Shirley. Hi. Uh, yeah, I have a knockout rose that's located on the north side of the house, right by the front door, and it doesn't bloom very well, and it uh, when it does get large, it, it interferes with the uh, sidewalk entrance. I want to move it to the west side of the house, um, what's involved in doing that and is this a good time i also have a hydrangea that's on the west side the first couple of years that we lived here first year it was beautiful just bloomed like crazy last year it was trimmed like late march i guess and it didn't just the bottom edge of that bloomed uh, so i didn't have them trim it this year so i'm wondering what else i can do we have some burning bushes also that were trimmed uh end of march and uh, they're 
you know, hit and miss. I mean, some of them, the leaves are, are coming out, but it, there's a lot of, of woody stalks there. Um, also, where that burning or that knockout rose was on the north side, I want to put a boxwood in and wondered if that would be a, a good solution. It's right by the, the front door on the north side, and it doesn't get much sun, just a, a titch of, of sun in the late afternoon. Uh, boxwood really likes sun, but they don't necessarily have to have it. But uh, personally, unless you really like that particular rose, I would just get a new knockout rose and put it in the west side as opposed to trying to dig this up because digging it up this time of year, it's already fully leafed out. You're going to have to get a really substantial root system. You're going to have to you know, have the area, the hole dug when you're going to move it around. If you want to go ahead and do that, you can certainly do that. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's going to be a lot of work, and it's going to be the root ball plus the knockout rose, assuming it's pretty good size, is going to be very, very heavy. So as far as the boxwood, you know, taking over in that place, it should be okay. I would get a small leaf boxwood, so Buxus micro, M-I-C-R-O, microphylla, meaning little leaf boxwood as opposed to the standard boxwood. And uh, your burning bush, you know, depending upon how far back you've pruned them, if you cut them back severely, you may have cut it back to where there's no active or active active uh, buds, foliage buds, you know, along the stems that are left because you cut it back too much. So if you did not cut it back severely, then probably it's just a matter of time before they start leafing out. Okay, what about the hydrangea? Uh, about it didn't bloom last year. Yeah, you probably um, bloom. You probably pruned out a cycle. So by the fact you didn't prune, too many people cut hydrangeas and they, you know, they get them out of cycle as far as being able to flower because depending upon what variety they are, you're cutting the flower, potential flower buds off without even knowing it. So this year we did not trim it. Then you should so be I've okay. Left, and I and when so when can I cut those? those long stems that are brown now and they have some, some of them have a, a couple of, of uh, bl- blossoms still, you know, I mean, of course they're dried. Should I just wait till, till it greens out and, and starts blooming and then uh, discard those, uh, you know, last year's growth? Yeah. I mean, you could do, you could certainly do that. And uh, anything that doesn't leaf out or anything at all, and you can cut the spent flowers off if you want to, but, uh, you know, leave it, leave it all there and see what happens. And then okay. if anything, you know, leaves out but doesn't produce a flower, then you can cut it back, you know, if you want to after that time. What about fertilizing that? Uh, it wants an acid-based fertilizer. Acid-based. Right. So, in other uh, words, mere acid no. or some Peter's acid-loving or, you know, something along that line. Uh-huh. So not one that, um, oh, that has a high... I, I understand that middle number. If you have a flowering bush or flowering plant, if you use something with a high middle number, it'll like for for uh, annuals, it'll tend to make them bloom, bloom, bloom well, with that high middle number. But don't use that on on that. Uh, yeah, don't, that's fine on any kind of annuals, something that's a one season type thing. But you want good, strong growth for a long period of time. Okay, so so acid, and what about? What about the boxwoods? What can I Same thing. Up? They're broadleaf evergreen, so they want an acid fertilizer too. Acid as now what about the burning bush? Uh burning bush could care less, basically. They're tough, they're durable. You can use it on there, but you don't necessarily have to. 
You can just use a of, regular shrub food. Of shrub, regular shrub food. Okay. Okay. And so would there, would, what would be better, maybe, and you said that boxwoods like sun, what would be better to put by my front door where there's not much sun, and I don't want something that's going to get large? Yeah, boxwood, uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to have, over the time period, of t- I would look at a, a globe, G-L-O-B-E, globe arborvitae, and get the dwarf. Arborvitae. Yeah, okay. A-R-B-O-R-V-I-T-A-E. Okay. And a lot of and, people don't, you know, they say they shouldn't be used, blah, blah, blah. I've I've used them for years and years and years. And, yes, I mean, they can have problems, but uh, everything has problems, you know, in this region because of our weather and other stuff. Uh-huh. So uh, glo- you, you think that would be better than you trying to get that boxwood in there? Well, I would try the boxwood. That was your choice. And then after a couple of years, if you're not happy with what it's doing, but again, get the small leaf boxwood, the microphylla, M-I-C-R-O-P-H-Y-L-L-A. Okay. And what about, I have some boxwoods uh, in another location, and they have some holes like in the boxwoods. Can I just kind of um, string, put string there and pull, pull those, pull them together no. to cover up that hole? Don't no, don't do that. You'll crack the branches. If you've got gaps, you're going to have to just get some small ones and tuck them into those spots. Small boxwood and right. put in there? Oh, well, there. it's like, you know, it, it, the boxwood's there. It's all rounded from being trimmed, but there's like just a gap there. Well, then just you're going to have to live with a gap. There's nothing you can do. Okay. Nothing you can do about that. Nope. Okay. All right. Thank you so very much. Really Certainly. appreciate it. My pleasure. Mm-hmm. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Back to the phones we go. And Joel, how are you today? Uh, doing just great. How are you? Very good. Uh, my question is, I've got a backyard that's highly shaded and it's developing more and more uh, moss all the time. I'm right. not sure what to do about it. Nothing. You, there's nothing you can do that's going to make any difference whatsoever. So, I mean, you can put lime down, you can do this, you can do that, but you're going to end up with the moss coming back again. <laughs> great. <laughs> I mean, realistically. <laughs> so just embrace the moss and love it, and uh, that's the way it goes. Okay. So, Thank you for your help. <laughs> I mean, there's just nothing that's going to make any kind of difference. I've I've known people over the years that have battled moss with lime for years, and it just it goes away for a short period of time, for a year or so, and then it comes back. So just enjoy it. Yeah, I'm getting quite a crop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you, too bad you're not in the Orient because they have actually moss gardens. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've been there. <laughs> ah, <laughs> well, great. Well, sorry. Okay, thanks for, sure. thanks for trying. <laughs> <laughs> and now let's go to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hello. Hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, we bought some uh, daffodils and some tulips in a pot, and uh, now that the blooms are finished, uh, when is a good time to put those in the ground? I would say if you want to put them directly into the ground, while the foliage is still green, go ahead and just do it then. Or what you can do is just wait until the foliage turns brown and then wait until fall to plant them. But I've got some myself, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take mine. They're basically finished flowering, and I'm going to plant them right now. 
So the foliage is still, you know, green, still healthy. And I want to see how that, you know, how well they're going to do. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, you can just leave them in the pot, let the foliage die down completely, shake the potting mix off of it. Just put them in a paper bag and wait until next September, early October and plant them. That would be the t- technically the best way to do it. But I always like to go contrary to what the best way is. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Sure. And yep. from Bob's yard, we jump down to Sandy's yard in South County. Hi, Sandy. Good morning. I have a question to help identify a plant. It came up about a month ago. Long, shiny leaves. Now they're about, oh... 12 to 16 inches long. It's The foliage is very smooth, shiny. Uh, it drapes over. It doesn't stand upright. No ridges on the edge of the uh, fronds that come out. And out of the middle of this plant are, is a stalk about 12 inches high with a bulb at the top about half the size of a walnut. And it just kind of almost looks like a little tulip, but it comes to a little point at the top of this bulb. I have no idea what it is. My th- my thought is it's an ornamental onion. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Would that just come up by itself? Well, I mean, I guess they could. I mean, it could be a wild garlic or something like that, but the way you described it, it kind of sounds like a wild onion. Or okay, an I guess. Orna- or an ornamental onion. Okay, well, I'll wait till a bulb. Uh, will this bulb open up into a flower? Yeah, what it would be is a small cluster of like p- kind of bluish flowers. Is that like a, uh, oh, what's the other plant that has a large purple bulb at the top? Yeah, uh, allium. That's a young, Allium, yeah. Right. So that's an onion. Allium just means onion. Okay, all right. Well, I'll wait for it to open. Thanks right. a lot. Sure. <laughs> Bye. And now let's see. How about Florissant? We haven't been there all day long and see what's going on with Tim. Or Tom, sorry. Hi, Tom. Mike, how are you? Good. Okay, I got um, a maple tree. It gives me great shade on my deck. I love the tree. Mm -hmm. It's got um, some roots that are exposed. I can't get grass to grow under it. Well, I like the other guy. I got some nice moss, but in the I want to kind of put like a brick patio over it, and I, there's a knuckle of the root that comes out that's exposed, and I'm wondering if you know if I could take like a saw and you know like saw the top of it off, not cut the whole root, right? But if there, there's like a knuckle or two that stick up, and I'd like to level that out, is that is that going to you know, kill the tree? No, it won't kill the tree. It's not exactly ideal, but also when you put this, you know, put the brick on it, the the root system is going to continue to get bigger and bigger. So it's going to make it so your brick, I'm assuming that you're not going to concrete these brick down, that you're just going to sweep sand in between them or whatever. It's not going to stay smooth, you know, even if it is smooth initially. What you could do is you could put an edger around, like a steel edger or something, and put like a couple inches of traction sand and then put the brick on top of that. Yeah, that's what I got in mind. But I wanted to kind of get it level. Right. And I wanted to cut that knuckle off. And I just didn't, I don't want to kill the tree. Yeah. The the tree's great. Yeah, it should be fine. It's, you know, I would certainly wait to do it after you cut the knuckles off. Wait till there's, you know, they're not oozing any sap or anything. And then at that time, go ahead and, you know, start your construction. Okay. 
I thank you, sir. Have a great day. Yep, you do the same thing. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, there's deer all over the region. There are woody plant materials that deer generally don't like. That doesn't necessarily mean that in a severe winter they won't, let's say, hassle them you know, or whatever, but they won't eat them. Uh, they still will rub, could possibly rub their antlers. I was at a house in Kirkwood this past week, and she had several things that the the deers just rub, and that's because they got that fuzzy stuff on their antlers when they're coming out of wintertime, and it makes them, I don't know how it does, but it makes them itch, so that's why they want to rub it off. But uh, witch hazel is one of the things that blooms really early in the spring that deer has a tendency to kind of stay away from. Let's head over to Denise's yard, or Denise, and she lives in Oakville. Hi, Denise. Hi, good Hi. morning. We have, hi, we have a six-year-old redbud that's about 13 feet tall. Uh, it's been blooming about two weeks, still has about 90% of its flowers, is starting to leaf out. Late last summer, it shot up probably a dozen branches that were about three feet taller than the general um, sculpture of the tree. Are those wild branches, or what are those? Well, it's just a, it's a suckering process. You can go ahead and cut those off if you don't want them. I can cut them off right now, I guess. Yeah, you can go ahead and do it. I would do it before the humidity gets too much higher and everything else. So do it before we get into May. Okay. And also there's a lower branch, which is just a little too low to the ground. Is it okay to take that off right now? Yeah. If it's flowering, a or wait till those flowers drop. Yeah. Wait. You, if you wait till the flowers drop, then we might be in a, you know, a tendency to be in high humidity, bacteria problems, virus problems, whatever it happens to be. But if it's a long branch, cut it off in sections and make the last cut leaving a stub of only about a quarter to a half inch at the most. Okay, so start cutting it now then? If you want to, you know, you can, or you can just wait until, uh, you know, you're going to get rid of it anyway. You can wait until it goes through the entire, unless you need it off now, then I'd go ahead and just cut it off now. Okay, and then um, can I actually try to root that and develop a new tree? No, (laughs) it's way more trouble than it's worth. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you oh, could. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. You can go. I mean, you need you need to get. Uh, you know, it's let's just Root put telling. it. Down. Yeah, and so it's. I've done it with a pipe tree and had luck, so I'm I'm game for it. All right, so. then go okay. for it. All right, sweet. So I'll go ahead and start trimming that branch off now. Then, even though it's flowering. Right. Okay, sweet. Thank you so much. Sure, and then uh, you know the, the end that you're cutting off the last. The one you're cutting off right now, that's the one you want to try to root. So good luck with that. And let's see, where should we go now? Let's go over. Let's, wow, back to Oakville again, and let's go into Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Uh, First of all, I just want to say thank you to you and to KMOX for keeping, having the show every week. It's uplifting and just normal. It's not the new normal, it's the old normal, and it's wonderful. (laughs) And so just thank you so much. And then the other thing is, I hate to contradict you, but I was trying to get on last hour, and I hope that lady's still listening that had the the severe mole problem, because um, in mid-February, I know that's when the moles start having their babies and everything, there was a mole in our neighbor's landscaping, just, you know, with huge mounds over there. And then it came underneath their blocks and came into our yard. It started coming across our front yard, which is... My husband really prides himself on his yard. Uh-oh. So 
So anyway, I put a few traps out, but he went out there with the poison worms, and those things work. I mean, the mole, you know, it just disappeared. Hopefully we got their whole family, if they were having babies in there too. Of course, they would die if they had no nutrition for the mother. Right. But it's all stopped. Well, you know, great. It didn't, it didn't continue at all. And the worms, you know, they're kind of, you can get them at your local hardware store. They're probably about four inches long, and you can cut them like in threes. And what you need to do is go with a plastic glove down into the tunnel and see where the tunnel is and just place those worms. I know he went, I put a few in, but he put, he went and got more of them, put a whole lot of them in. And those things actually do work to me better than the traps. We've had a little success with traps in the past, but huge success with the poison worms. Well, great. And there's a product called Kaput, which you inject actually into the tunnel too. It's just, you know, historically, the you know, the, Let's say the professionals and stuff like that are using the traps. That's basically what I said. And so, yeah, if you can get the you know the poison, try it that way. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you one more question. Um, I don't think we can call the Missouri Botanical Hotline right now, but I bought some bulbs from them in the fall, tulip and daffodil. And I never, I mean, I kind of put the tulip bulbs where I really wanted to plant something else this spring, like impatience or something. But is it best to just keep the ball the flowers are gorgeous they're like roses they have multiple petals on some of the tulips and they're beautiful is it best to just leave those bulbs in the ground and you know like what i know we can cut the flowers up but just kind of leave the leaves die down and i mean what's your recommendation on yeah that? i think that's probably the best thing because tulips have a somewhat of a limited life so if you go to the trouble of dig them up and replant them who knows if they're going to flower in the following year? So I would say, yeah, yeah. just go ahead. You know, when the foliage is finished, me. cut it back and just overplant them. Oh, okay, we can do that. Yeah. Okay, would it work to put like you know to have just a pot of something on top of where they are, and then just move the pot and water that periodically, get it some moisture in there? You probably don't need to water it. Probably the rain and everything else. You know, you probably don't need to move the pot, I wouldn't think. And especially if your pot has drainage holes and it's going to drain down into the ground anyway. Yeah, it does. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. And let's see if we can get one more. Ray, can you do it kind of quick? Yes, sir. Okay. Are we there? Yes. Okay. I've got uh, planted four winterberry, wintergreen, excuse me, boxwood bushes and three uh, Concordia barberry bushes on the south side of the house. Uh, in 27 September 2017, the uh, boxwoods are doing great, but the barberry is only about 10 inches high. Can I stimulate them somehow, or do they take four to five years to get going? They shouldn't take that long. I would think it'd be the other way around. So the fact that the barberry are not doing as well as the boxwood, that's kind of a reversal of reality. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say... Maybe they're, t- I don't know what's wrong with them as far as, uh, you know, fertilizing or anything else, but 10 inches, that sounds like the size of when you put them in. It is. And so, like, it three is. years later, if they haven't grown at all, then maybe they got planted too deep. Maybe you should try to raise them up a little bit, uh, you know, so the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. There's got to be something that's, you know, st- stymieing the growth, and, like, barberry are so tough and durable, I'm really surprised that's happening. Yes, it is. And on the uh, China Twins holly bush I put in last year, anything I can do to stimulate that? It is growing, but I like to get it going faster. Yeah, I use an acid-based fertilizer for those. 
Okay, okay. And what I did for my wild violets, because I just went out when I wanted to every now and then, put a little bit of Roundup on each one. That's the only way I could kill them. Yeah, that works. You're absolutely right. You did. Thank you for your expertise, Mike. Yep, well, thank you, and thanks for everybody who called. And sorry, Sheila, John, and Vicki, we're not going to be able to get around to you today. And uh, everybody, wow, it was so cool, or I should say cold this morning. But it looks spectacular out there. The sky is so clear, and it's going to get so warm. So, again, I'm going to remind everybody, anything that flowers in the spring, prune after, right after it flowers. you got about two months afterwards. So just get out there and enjoy. That's what it's all about. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.